you could have a massive factory, but if you don't have a digital version of your product, you don't exist. You just don't exist. Hey there, and welcome to Up Next in Commerce. I'm Stephanie Postles, CEO of Mission.org. And today I'm excited to get into the world of visual commerce. Brand websites are often pretty similar. They're product pages, pictures, carousels, maybe even some videos. That's worked for a while, but Matt Gorniak, the CEO of 3Kit, says it's time to up the ante. 3Kit is creating a whole new category for brands who want to get into visual commerce and bring 3D and AR into the fold. Matt talks about what that looks like on today's episode. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Matt, welcome to the show. Excited to have you here. Thanks for uh, having me. Appreciate it. So before we dive into your work at 3Kit and what you're up to there, I was actually hoping you could kind of quickly go through your background because you have a pretty impressive one, if I must say. I mean, you've had companies acquired that you founded. You were, I think, the co-founder of G2, a lot of other things in between. So I was hoping you could kind of highlight your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, no, happy to share. I mean, the the, the short story is I actually grew up in Poland behind the Iron Curtain. And so tech for me was actually a way to do cool things and try things out. But also as an immigrant, you're always like late to the party. So you kind of go where stuff is new. <laughs> and so tech's no longer that new anymore. But like 20 years ago, 25 years ago, that that was sort of like new fields. And you guys know about the internet. That was a cool thing back then. <laughs> and so, cool. Yeah. And so it's, it's uh, in tech, obviously, it's never ending. There's always a new thing. And that's my background. Then I grew up in Germany, had a great time up out there, came to the States at 17 and Went to college and got myself a job, which was really exciting and and at a very large company and management training. And there were nothing. It was just a great, wonderful career ahead of me. But tech was really something that I just wasn't going away. So I made the switch. That's sort of part of my passion is to like, hey, that was kind of a scary thing. You jump in, you don't know what you're doing, but it's just a great place to be. And, and anyway, and that got me started with a good friend of mine that I met serendipitously through bulletin boards. Back in the day, it was nice. cool. We had phones. We had three lines. That was really cool. So three people could talk at the same time. That's still kind of cool. I mean, it's still hard to do on an iPhone, let's be honest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I can go on forever and I won't. But it's more like that was my first foray into a startup called Octastring, which my friend uh, Clayton Donnelly, who's now an executive at a, at a large company, kind of a genius developer, We, you know, he built and we start selling globally. And it's like a company, I was out of my bedroom, my, you know, my parents' house, and that kind of opened up eyes like, wow, tech, you can send bits and bytes anywhere in the world. People can make payments globally. You solve these problems. That's just amazing. Like, 
Whereas my background, my short career background was with manufacturing company, amazing company, but you got to build these tractors or whatever. You have to like have plants and capital equipment and you want to ship them, you know, anyway, you have to pay all this taxes and, and anyway, internet's just like, wow, there it is. So that got me into tech and I've never looked since back. And one of the pivotal uh, moments in my life was meeting my business partner, Goddard Abel, and also like Joachim Klein at 3Kid and we build this company, Big Machines. Goder was actually the, and Chris Schatz, another business partner. They were the founders. And then we kind of started building companies and we love building tech ever since. And Big Machines, Steel Brick, G2 is in Chicago. I co-founded that and Steel Brick and now 3Kids. So net net, we love building. We love finding people that want to build, bring really change something out there. That's kind of what so I do. So Steel Brick was acquired by Salesforce, right? Correct. And then Big Machines was acquired by Oracle. Were you building with the intent to be acquired or like, how did you, I mean, when people hear that you had two of your companies acquired by two very large companies, they're probably like, Matt, what are you doing? Give me some secrets. How did you even think about starting these companies? Like, what did that actually look like building products twice that got acquired? You're right. So actually Big Machines was founded by Goddard Abel and Chris Schatz, who again, the reason I bring it up, they're, they're good friends and business partners. And I would say... There was no intent to sell. And this is not a bravado statement of like no intent. It's just, I think we were so heads down just building, like good things will happen. That's probably the advice I give others. Like, obviously, if someone really comes up and offers you a way to bring your vision to life in a bigger way, or it clicks really well, and obviously, yes, financial have to be right. The, the point I just made isn't about some proud statement, like no, never that. I mean, some people have that view, but I think day to day, it's just about, you know, you have a vision. The joke is it takes you know, 10 minutes. Let's make it happen. It's the hard part. So it's, I would say it's, it's a good chunk of grinding and just building and, and then good things happen. That's kind of what I f- feel about. You build something meaningful, purposeful, and that's the way to get there. I think, I think mm-hmm. focusing, we've never done it, but I think focusing on just getting to some outcome. I just, I don't know how that works. That, that would feel like you would make strange choices and then probably get disappointed. Be my guess. Yep. Yep. Probably. So. Tell me how or why did you get interested in 3Kit? I mean, to me, jumping to, you know, AR and 3D, it definitely still kind of fits within where you had been, of course, when thinking about selling, you know, things within the manufacturing industry, working on the back end systems. Like, it seems like it's definitely headed there. But why was this the thing that pulled you into this, you know, still pretty new world that feels a little bumpy depending on who you talk to? So... This is actually kind of an extension of big machines and steel brick. And so the short story is, as we're solving these problems, you just have to take a step back. And, and, and from our perspective, we are helping these large manufacturing companies and then software companies, industrial companies, and then get into like furniture, generate a quote. And a quote is a massive parts list that the system allows you to very quickly put together with rules. Again, it's very obvious stuff. As a user, it's like, oh, thank you. But there's a lot that goes in there, defining products, whatever. So the, the connection with 3Kid is, we were looking at this and I'm like, when are the customers actually going to want to see the product? Because remember, that was like a really good step forward, but you never see the product that actually is being sold to you. That's the B2B side. You go to e-commerce, by the way. Um, let's pretend you, um, you're you about to buy these headphones. Let's not get into brands or that microphone. If it has significant options, the website actually does not represent the actual product you're buying. 99% yeah. of the time, it's a picture. We have headphones. It's a picture of we have microphones. And if there's options involved, 
you're kind of making a leap because you're picking options, but it's like, well, just trust me. And then a lot of folks have that experience, which is you have a blue microphone and I guess yours is black and maybe you have like dark blue. Is that really the one I'm getting? And in the picture carousel in e-commerce, like you've got a white one, a black one, a green one because it's stock photography. Eh, what is this? So that was the genesis. Like at some point, customers, buyers are going to want to see it. And we bet on that like pretty early on. It's about visual commerce configuration, like seeing, experiencing the product digitally. Then obviously with the pandemic that accelerated, but that was the genesis. Like there's something there and I can tell you how we got there, but we're like, Ooh, like when's the right time and how do we solve it best? But we saw it, you know, build up over years now. How did you know it was the right time? Just from, you know, you have obviously a lot of experience of maybe being too early in certain cases, but still knowing it's a good idea. Like, how did you know when it was the right time? Because when I hear it now, I'm like, obviously that is like needed. I mean, I just thought about this Murphy bed I bought where I was asking about what kind of, you know, metal attachments I wanted on there. And every time I would change it, it wouldn't change. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll end up liking this one. I don't know. It's not showing it to me. And by the way, that's an, I'll tell you the secret. No one knows, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> yeah. But, but you, so you have to kind of bet, you know, I'd say, you know, I think over time you hear it and it was basically from our perspective when we were in projects, in B2B projects, it started to come up more. And I think you have to have your ears attuned to that question to see a pattern. But at some point, you know, I mean, you kind of don't know. Now, what we do know is that trend's inevitable. So it's just a question of acceleration. Obviously, who could have foreseen the, the pandemic, right? Which is a massive accelerator. There's no secret. That was a joke, obviously. But like, there is a sense of patterns. And then you kind of just, you kind of bet. And you could be five years too early. It could be five months too early. You know, there's no knowing. Um, but your Murphy bed is a perfect example because the microphone is not such a high consideration. Well, maybe yours is. Yeah, $99. a little pricey. I'm sure it's a little pricey, but like, <laughs> let's pretend it's $99, which I'm sure it's not. You're like, okay, I'm invested in this, but a bed, furniture, big piece of product, sporting goods, golf clubs, that is a big deal. Like, how do you return a Murphy bed? That's a... That's... I, yeah, I actually have no idea. It's a sunk cost at this point. I'm like, right. <laughs> it's going up on that wall, whether I like it or not. So, okay, when seeing this evolution happen and you guys now have this awesome company, how do I think about all the things that you offer. I mean, when I was looking, it looks like it's definitely in an augmented reality type of fashion. It's like 3D. You can, it feels like it's, you know, could be in your room in a way. You can have the colors changing. Are there other things that you offer? Maybe tell me exactly what, what your offerings are. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I would say like um, augmented reality, virtual reality, renderings, mm-hmm. uh, 3D, those are experiences. I'll talk about that in a minute. And I think the the true like unique capability that we have is the ability, which we call visual commerce. We want to create this category, which really is about bringing your product to life digitally. The only way to do that is to really through visual configuration and automation. I'll give an example. If you had that chair behind me, you had a thousand covers, right? Just colors, times, different legs times different casters that are underneath it times different time times you end up with a hundred thousand options on on that alone so your question was the inception we're like whoa we're, we're getting these questions from customers but you can bring these products to life with photography like you're not going to take pictures that's what they do literally 99 percent of you you'd be shocked it's a photo studio where you know it's like well what do you think stephanie i think the black one and the white one we'll rent some data take some pictures of the chair that's it 
We're like, you got to automate that. And so this is where the founder of 3Kit, Ben Houston, comes in. He was one a major supplier of visual effects to, to Hollywood. And so we knew that to unlock this space, it had to, had to deal with complex products, which we, we know really well for like 20 years now. And the other side, though, it has to be beautiful, has to be picture perfect, has to be like Pixar, but for products and it has to be automated. So you can generate these hundreds and thousands of either options in 3D or AR, and it still knows how, what the product is. What it can be is just a piece of art. It's not a visual effect that you play and then it doesn't do anything. It's not a complex product structure that we understand, but it doesn't look good. It has to be both. So that's what we put together. And so to answer your question, that's kind of really unique in a SaaS platform, in a headless platform. It integrates to everything. It's really, really hard to do, crack that nut, and we did it. But then it's about, well, show me your products. Could be jewelry rings, could be that microphone, that chair. And then maybe it's in 3D where you want an immersive experience. And then, by the way, I do want to see it in augmented reality. Oh, by the way, I'd like to see it um, maybe renders. Like we can do at scale render them in a lifestyle photography. It's like a digital movie, just the product's a star. So instead of doing photo shoots, you can do that. Uh, virtual reality. Now, we don't do any of these things, but the hardest part is get the product into that state to be able to participate, if that makes sense. So yeah. that's kind of, AR is, that's awesome, but it's like the end point. Once you have your product ready. That's the end point, yeah. It's very interesting hearing about you blending in, you know, movie with, you know, movie industry with commerce, bringing these different, yeah, expertises. Are there any surprising moments when maybe you've got, you know, the, designers over here who are like, I'm used to things being at this quality level. Then you've got the commerce people who are like, I've been taking pictures my whole life. Like, was there anything surprising trying to get those two fields working together to build what you have today? I think the surprising was what a big gulf there is between them. You yeah. know, there is literally like they have to work together and we can help them there, but it's, it is two different worlds. I see the other one that blew my mind when that's why we decided to to really build 3Kit is how good digital is now. I think mm -hmm. when we decided that there's something here, we're like, it's gotta be beautiful and picture perfect. And I'll have to admit myself, cause I've seen some early like digital 3D work early on, it just didn't look good. So my perception was, that was maybe the surprise. That was my biggest, it's like, it's gonna look gamey or whatever you wanna call that and cartoony. And the reality is that you literally can't tell. And that's kind of blew me away. Like 99% of folks who have not worked in this industry just don't know how good it is. And unfortunately, ever since I've gotten into it, I mean, we don't do movies, but just drawn on that expertise, I can't see movies again. Like it's it, not that I'm an expert on movies. It's just now you can see it now. And it's like, <laughs> wow, like yeah. it's that good. So that's probably my biggest, that was my biggest surprise. It's a wonderful tool to have, but Majority of folks just don't know that. Yeah. So then it makes me think, I mean, just like you said, I think that, you know, it's going to look gamey or I've had an experience before where it kind of ruined it for me. I'm wondering right now if we are ruining any consumer trying to enter VR worlds and thinking about the metaverse and getting into these different platforms that they're having an experience there that maybe is not what, you know, you would like to see, like, because now you have this whole new level of expectation of what the products and you know, the things should look like to actually feel real and look real and be able to zoom in and see all the, you know, the details and the stitching and whatever it may be. I'm wondering if a portion of people are going to kind of write off 
you know, this new future that's coming for a while because of the subpar experience that they're probably having. I mean, someone showed me a virtual shopping experience the other day and I was like, ew, that's, that, that's even worse than, you know, like that actually makes it way worse trying to get me in there. I don't want to do that. Do you ever think about that of like, I, I do lose a certain portion of them? The one thing maybe just to cap off the other one and I'll jump into this one is some of viewers will be surprised. They actually purchased goods already on the internet. They were designed purely digitally, me being 3Kit, let's just say, hopefully, and then purchased with a credit card, fully digital. Now, so what happens, the actual product shows up, looks just like it. But that's, I just want to say that there's products being bought right now at Friends where I'm like, oh, this is a customer. Oh, my gosh, I had no idea. And you just, you just don't. So the, my only point where we're talking about that metaverse, in some ways, we're already living in it. Yeah. Because that was a purely digital transaction, digital product digital transaction done digitally. And yes, the, you know, the real deal will show up and it looks exactly like it. So you don't return it. You love it. You buy more. Anyway, that's that story. It's interesting about the shopping experience. I, I agree with you. I don't know that we know what to do with it yet. I think there is some powerful ideas. This to me reminds me very much of the internet. I know that's a cliche thing to say. It's going to be real. It's going to be a big, big deal. And exactly how it's still shaking out, which is a natural process. And to give you perspective on your question, I, I don't proclaim to, to be an expert on, on virtual shopping, but I think to replicate the real world with these powerful tools, I think we can do better. Like, you know, we can do stores, that's cool, but I think we can do so much more with digital. Like if you're into something, a theme or let's say a movie, like maybe it's a, you know, digital theme park. That gets you really into it. And by the way, you can buy products in it just to kind of vibe on that. Maybe it's not a gift shop at the end of the digital store with random stuff, like immerse me in it. So that's when I hear you say that. That's why I feel like, you know, we haven't fully embraced yet, like the opportunity digital gives you. We're trying to recreate the, which in some ways I think is maybe a good thing that could be really cool. In some ways we can do much better. I I think we're still figuring out how. No, yeah. I mean, I was, just thinking about the store experience when, and I've probably said this on a previous episode before, but they had shelves. And I was like, why do you need shelves if you're in a virtual world? You don't need shelves. Like, why are we recreating things that are just, you know, here, but then it's just subpar. I'd rather just go to the store and look at it than have some bad, you know, design that feels very fake and gamey. I like the idea of how do you, you know, immerse the person wherever they are, though. I mean, that definitely seems like the way of the future, but I don't know if we even understand our human behaviors and consumption patterns and then how to actually make, you know, seems like now we're finally at a place that we can make the products look real and good and actually interact with the world. And but yeah, just thinking about like, how do you blend these industries together to make that a better experience and, you know, pull in Roblox, pull in their design principles, pull in all the things that they're doing into commerce. And um, that's where I think the magic can happen is if you start looking around at what other industries that are moving a lot quicker, gaming moving way quicker than commerce, like how can you pull them into the fold to be able to learn best practices and then have a way better experience is actually meeting the customer where they are now and in the future and not trying to push them back in the box of the shopping mall experience or wherever they might not want to go anymore. I agreed. And I think I think you still like need commerce because at some point you got to transact it. It's kind of our yeah. viewers as well. Like we visualize the product, but at some point you want to buy it. Or maybe it's a pure digital product too. That's cool too. NFT world, here we come. But I agree with you. I think there is this place for like replicating a, a real experience. That's cool. I, I, I think it has to be done really well, though. It has to be better than the real deal. And there's ways to do that. 
I think games are going to be huge. There'll be many metaverses, in, in, you know, um, but games in some ways, like we all will spend a lot of time in whatever those are. And that's a perfect way to engage. But also theme based. When I think of like shopping experiences, let's say Star Wars, let's say the old Star Wars. If you got me into a store where I'm like replaying, let's say short sequence, and then there's a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff to go with it that's customized, personalized. I'm in right. like, that's a different, that's a digital mm-hmm. theme park, you know, like versus the gift store at the end of a theme park, you know? So I'm like, yeah. you got me, like maybe it's custom jewelry. I mean, I'm just making it up uh, a lightsaber with your name on it. You get shipped or maybe it's purely digital. Could be an NFT lightsaber, but you have me in this moment of experience. That's kind of where I see some of that going, you know, I'd fall for it. I'd love it. Yeah. No, I'm already thinking about a, a bunch of different ideas of how I would enjoy it a lot more while I'm like in the middle of the experience or watching whatever it may be. You mentioned NFTs. I want to hear your thoughts on, you know, what are you all doing around NFTs? What do you think about the NFT craze right now? That's, I mean, that's similar. It's very early. I think it's real. It's, it's, it's here to stay in what forms. I mean, there's so many forms. We could spend an hour on this. You know, our view is we're, we're a product company, right? So we, we deal with brands and manufacturers. And I think what's really interesting is we talked about the metaverse and NFTs, like regardless where you want to go with either of those, most brands and manufacturers are like, oh, wow, we're, we haven't even gotten to e-commerce yet. So that's a, just, a, that's when I point that observation out, like there's a lot of usefulness in that conversation, which is, well, heck, if you're not even like, what's your path there? And even knowing what to do and not to do, I think it forces everyone to really think about like, what do we want to be? Anyway, I just want to say that many are not even taking full advantage of like Web 2.0. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't talk about publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. So essentially, if your product's not even optimized right now, if it doesn't even look good on your page, people can't have customization to it, you probably shouldn't jump to the next thing, the next new world. But you say it, so that's really, I think you nailed it. You could have a massive factory, but if you don't have a digital version of your product, you don't exist. You just don't exist. So just everyone should know that. Like if you don't, have a way to exist and that you don't. And maybe you choose not to be part of that. That's cool. But for sure with e-commerce, you have to be part of that. Because as you mentioned, the, the Murphy bit, I mean, once you experience once a true picture-perfect visual configurator with AR that looks like what you're getting, it's really hard to make that purchase next time without that. You're going to notice yep. something's missing. I bought a couch and it had one image on Instagram. That's what sold me. And then I hop over to the website and it was like a whole different blue color and i was like well i think it's the same one and i ended up buying it and it was but i remember being like wow i bet a lot of people dropped off when they saw this beautiful 
image on Instagram, light bluish color, and then you go on your page and it looks like this dark blue, almost black. And you just have to hope that they're the same one because they're called the same thing. Like, but I didn't even think much about it. I mean, this was maybe a year ago. Let me flip it on you a little bit. Let's just have fun with this one if you want. Yeah. So this is also kind of the, the existing digitally, right? So you fell in love with the couch. Awesome. But let's pretend you fell in love with another similar couch, but the experience is just awesome. Mm-hmm. I would go to where I have more security and safety. I mean, it's a natural sure. human condition. So I think that's the other thing. Like the experience itself, obviously we talked about website experiences, but the product, can I feel it digitally? You know, we call it digital feel. Can I really, if I do, that may be where I go next. Cause right now we're just in this new frontier mode. And so maybe back to NFTs, that's kind of that, like, what do you want to be? Like, there's so many ways to do it, but the conversations we're having with brands and manufacturers is we have a factory. Could we do limited editions? Could we create things that then later you can buy, but they're special, like they're, they're, they're basically crypto, uh, limited editions of sorts. Now, long-term you could, you could take them with you. So as the metaverse is shaping, right? You could take yep. them into a game if it's a 3D one. You could just have it and um, or have purely digital goods. I mean, this is the fascinating story. There was a shoe company that was purely digital. Can't buy those shoes. That's That was sold. What do you do with said shoe that you can't buy? You just have the design? Shoes. Well, in the metaverse, oh. you're kind of reward. Oh, in the metaverse. Okay. I thought you were like buying an NFT of a digital shoe and you could just look at it all day. Well, that too. <laughs> so so I, I think the only way I can get at this is that these, our angle is more like we work with these brands and manufacturers. They're like, wait a minute, metaverse. Yeah, it's going to take some time to get there, but I think I wouldn't underestimate that. It asks the questions for like, how do we exist digitally? How do people experience me? And then, yeah, we'll explore together, Stephanie, like who knows, but, yeah. but maybe there'll be a, um, an amazing brand in the metaverse that sells shoes, apparel, watches or cars that doesn't even exist real. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Hey, that's already working in, you know, all the games the kids are playing and all the virtual things that they're buying right now. So it's definitely, it's already here. I think it might not just be happening with my friends and I, but it's already here. So, okay. When thinking about what brand should maybe be focusing on today, like maybe the basics aren't even covered yet and we need to like hone in on some of those. How could I think about ROI when just, you know, implementing simple things like making sure the product looks good and, you know, you can spin it and have the customizations and the colors like, well, what, what have you seen on your side when a brand comes and works with you? Like what simple things do they implement? And I say simple as in maybe from a consumer perspective, it's like, oh yeah, that was a simple fix. Thank you. But like what ROI do these brands see from making these changes? Yeah. And I would say what we've seen as a pattern is if you have consideration items and I see those, those are, you know, I'm not talking about a pen that comes in two colors and it's buck 99. That's cool. But, but I'm talking about some meaningful people make decisions on. What we've seen is this. If you create a digital feel, like visual configuration, and then let them experience it, what's most natural. AR is not for everybody. Like not everyone needs AR, but yeah. that's just one way to do it. Or 3D or, or the product photography. The customers don't talk mumbo jumbo. They're not like, oh, 3D visual configurator with renderings. They're like, hey, this is a product I like and I'll buy it. And the ROI is actually super compelling. Like we've got case studies where Customers of ours meet their annual number in two months. Wow. Just from changing the product pages. The percentages are off the charts, you know, and people are like, oh, I don't believe it. It's like, well, no, it's real because you have to take a step back and think this. Stephanie, you and I have a store. 
let's say we sell um, sporting goods and then. What's its name? What's the store's name? We got to make sure we're aligned here, Matt. Oh, wait, wait, what do you want to call it? Oh, I feel like you're more creative here. We'll call it call it Barton Springs. Oh, interesting. Just Austin vibes, you know? Is that the, uh, the golf? Perfect. <laughs> Close enough. See, exactly. You're wondering now, like, which way am I going to go? Am I going to jump in the springs or am I playing golf? It's a perfect name. So, so we have Barton Springs. Let's say we manufacture these products. I work for you and I run the e-commerce operation. And you're like, Matt, we got to sell more. Okay. I've got millions of rows of product SKUs and I have no pictures for them. And there, even if I did, you can't experience it. So I have an empty digital shelf. So when you look at the other way, like literally our products don't exist on our website. So how are they yeah. supposed to buy it? So this is a, like the very obvious way if you were if you and I worked at a store together the front end way for me talk about visual configuration digital feel really customers like look I don't see it here yeah I see it here I see all these options usually for the first time this is where the customer sees the true shelf full like oh you've got this cool color pretend you like my shirt okay like you like this color I I find it it now I couldn't see it because there's too many options we couldn't maintain it now Mm -hmm. I see it on my couch or my sporting goods we said my golf bag, boy, that's what I want. And what happens is you're like, I want this. And you go through the site, you buy more of it. Cause you're, you know, as you know, had you gone a furniture example to let's say another furniture brand that you really loved just as much, but the experience is a killer. You just keep yeah. buying there. You get stuff back. That's what I want. I'm just going to go there. That's the basics really of what I would recommend to everyone for consideration goods. You have, you're missing out because you're not showing your products. Like the idea of I have e-commerce that's not e-commerce anymore. You're, 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 you have an empty shelf. So that's mm-hmm. maybe the way I would explain that. Start there. How much potential do you think there is right now of companies who are not even digital? I mean, you're saying in the very beginning, oh, if someone doesn't want to choose that route, one, I'm like, well, why not? But two, like, what kind of untapped potential do you think there is of companies who have not even come online to start? I mean, have you guys looked into this? And then on top of that, optimizing their product, that's a whole other thing. But what's kind of out there waiting right now? We have, and it's massive. And, and, and what has happened is with the pandemic, a couple of things have happened. Obviously, I'm not here to tell you about the pandemic and what it did to e-commerce. I mean, everyone talks about it. But for the first time ever, it kind of sent a memo to the vendor saying, hey, we're all consumers too, by the way, right? At the same time, buying higher... I have personally, I've talked to many friends, bought higher item goods online I've ever done. I, I'm pretty sure... I'm going to make a bet before the pandemic, you may have not bought that Murphy bed online. It's like, ah, I'll go yeah. find a store. We mm-hmm. The threshold's way up, okay? With that, the memo is also, I want to see all your products. I kind of like online. So there's that pressure, right, that's building. So 99% are on that journey. Like, wait a minute. And there's FOMO by industry. In mm-hmm. furniture, they're really thinking ahead because that's a high consideration, beautiful object where... If you have a bit of digital, digital experience, you will make more money. The other side of it is, which I find also fascinating, I just spoke at a B2B conference. So think of like forklifts, compressors. Yep. Because of the pandemic and all this stuff we know, the buyer of that forklift, again, med tech device, stuff companies buy, is now sitting at home. And for whatever reason, it's okay to have a, to have a boring B2B site because you sit in a cube, but now I'm sitting at home. I just bought a couch. Or, or, or tailor-made driver powered by 3K. It looks awesome. And now I'm going to this portal one tab away. All I get is part numbers. So that's the other thing that jarring 
it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just was talking to a guy at a conference and his whole company that he's building is bringing large, heavy, hard to sell products into e-commerce. So think like buying a gondola via, you know, e-commerce experience, just things that you never normally would do where you're like, that's too heavy. I don't know how it would get here. And it's funny because that's how we used to think about furniture and beds. You know, they can't ship it here. They can't get it here. And started making me think about how much potential there is to bring things online and, you know, yeah, transact things in a way that we haven't been able to in the past. Or maybe just we limited ourselves thinking we couldn't. We just scratched the surface because the excuse was it's too complicated. And I was part of that conversation. That's kind of maybe full circle back. Mm-hmm. When we started the journey, it's like, oh, it's too complicated. Products too complex. Yeah, you can't do visually that beautiful. That's that's Hollywood 2000. Where, yep. But it's all democratized now. It, it, you can handle complexity. It can look picture perfect. So it's kind of the convergence. And so to your point, the 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 reason I brought in B2B is just to even expand the lens a bit. It's a huge deal for consumer. It's a huge deal for B2B. It's uh, it's a huge market, you know, that's just starting to get going now. Yeah, I agree. All right, last question. What are you most excited about over the coming year? It can be with 3Kit. It can be in Matt's personal life, wherever you want to take it. I'll stick to business. How about that? It feels really exciting to see this all unfold. And part of it, obviously, we're, we're part of this. Uh, we're building a category, which I mentioned, visual configuration, but also being part of this conversation of metaverse NFT. We are an on-ramp to it. But yet, 99% of the companies we work with are just getting onto Web 2.0 and, and seeing that all unfold. I will tell you, it's fascinating to be like in that, I don't know, this, this giant building wave and and... And, and kind of see it all come together and shape it for what we can. But it's a massive thing. So I'd say that that really is exciting part of where we are right now. So that gets me uh, juiced up in the morning. And uh, yeah, we love doing that. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been great. Where can people learn more about you and 3Kit? If you're interested, love for you to come to our website, 3Kit.com. And there's actually 3Kit.com shop, which is some examples of our customers. B2C, B2B, just for fun. I will check it out. Or obviously look me up on LinkedIn and ping me. So I'd love to talk to you. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Hey, listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.